the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomklein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's get started. Um, it is the uh, it is the uh, 31st of October as we air this um, on AM560. And uh, I am very, very excited for our uh, for our next guest, who is actually a registered nurse, um, a first time uh, first time author, um, who has written uh, *The Witch's Brew*. And I'm very, very excited to welcome Meg Dagnino. Welcome to the program. Happy Halloween, Shalom! Thank you for having me. Absolutely, it's a pleasure to have you. So I need to learn about your background before we talk about the book itself. Um, how uh, how how did you go from uh, being an RN to, uh, I know you're in, uh, you're in Lamont and, and uh, deciding to write a book, a, a fun, really fun Halloween themed book. Uh, what's that story? Yeah, it's quite interesting. So yes, registered nurse by trade, um, um, but a mother of two, an adoptive mother of two. So I take my, my role of motherhood very seriously. And um, I'm a obsessive party planner. I love taking parties to the next level. So about nine years ago when my son was in kindergarten, I was his kindergarten class mom and I was panicked. I didn't know what to do. I was a first time mom. What do we do for a kindergarten class party? So I sat down at my kitchen counter and I wrote Witch's Brew. Um, I wanted to include um, a fun little activity and story along with the snack that they were going to have that day in class. So um, hence, I came up with the idea. And ever since then, I've been doing Witches Brew for Halloween parties and um, just, you know, all season long. So just bringing it to my nieces and nephews, my friends, my children's friends. And um, every, every year, it got more and more intense in that I really felt like I needed to do something with it. So I actually made it come to life. You sure did in several different ways. Um, firstly, um, the uh, some of the book's proceeds are going to 
uh, are going to help organizations that help families um, with adoption. And I know November is National Adoption Month, so it is coming to life on many levels for you and your family. And I know uh, we'll talk about this in a moment, but it's not just a book um, because I know that uh, you're really uh, educating, which is uh, just fantastic. So uh, give us the premise of the book. What's uh, What can people look forward to? And of course, we'll make sure to send uh, our listeners uh, to pick up a copy of the book as well. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, it's it's really a, just a delightful interactive experience that the family can come together with their friends or just, you know, an intimate little evening together creating the witch's brew. So it's 10 ingredients um, and you watch which Eldora um, come in with her little dog, May in collecting all of the ingredients. I have to say a golden doodle and my buddy is for sure listening. <laughs> so he's very proud of his friend, May. Yes. That's great. Yes, we love our Mei Mei. So, um, but the ingredients allow the children to use their imaginations in creating the witch's brew. So um, the first ingredient is bat brains. So who doesn't love a good bat brain, but they're actually raisins. Um, and then skeleton bones are pretzels and spider webs are popcorn and on and on. So the kids get to um, use their imagination in creating this brew and they're like, I love the troll's teeth, which is the marshmallows. So it's a counting book because it's 10 ingredients. Each ingredient is color coded. So I hope to um, start to um, work on some educational merchandise in the, in the future. But at the end of the ingredients, once you add them all together, you've got this really yummy little trail mix that the kids can munch on and, um, and, and, and share some giggles with. So um so yeah, so that's pretty much the you know the premise of the book. Um, there is a QR code towards the end of the book that you can click on that takes you to my website. But you can actually view a video of me doing the brew. I had a professional video made. And then the, there's an opportunity to print out some coloring pages for the kids. Um, so it's really interactive. It, it certainly is. It's uh, it's exciting. It's interactive. You're teaching counting, which is great, um, and uh, coming up with this awesome trail mix at the at the end. So the witch's brew, um, and uh, you're incorporating both story and activity to create lifelong memories, but also supporting an amazing organization, All God's Children International, providing support for uh, orphan care uh, ministry, which is which is fantastic. So um, your kids, tell us uh, tell us their involvement in the uh, in the book. And um, are they uh, are they excited that their that their mom is now an author of a of a Halloween book? They really are. They really are. They're a little older now. So, you know, it's 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 day dependent on whether or not um, they, they get excited about anything these days. So my son is already 14 and my daughter's 11. Um, we adopted them both through All God's Children International. So an organization near and dear to my heart. Uh, my son is from Guatemala. My daughter is from Taiwan. Um, they do amazing orphan ministry globally. Um, they're really trying to infiltrate um, countries to break the orphan cycle and um, provide education to governments in how to do so. And they've done an incredible job. So it's really been um, really important to me to stay involved with them since since we've ad adopted them. And and we we replaced with them at birth, but um, we we didn't get my son until he's about six and a half months old. And then we were able to bring my daughter home when she was about nine and a half months old. So 
Um, really incredible organization. So happy to give back um, and have them a part of this. Um, so yeah, the kids are the kids are great. You know, growing up when they were a little younger, they were much more into the brew. Now they just think it's cool that you know my mom's on TV and she's doing radio interviews and all that other stuff. So um, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. exciting. So again, I'm chatting with uh, Meg Dagnino, the uh, author of Witch's Brew, uh, an awesome, awesome book, very appropriate for this weekend um, for Halloween. And obviously, we uh, we hope everybody's uh, celebrating uh, safely and having a, a, just an awesome, awesome weekend. Um, Meg, in our, in our final few minutes, I, I'm also curious, um, I mean, the book is, is colorful, it's exciting. And I know you had an awesome uh, illustrator, um, uh, uh, Daniela, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Daniela and how uh, how uh, how you found her and uh, a little bit about her story as well? Yes, absolutely. So Daniela is amazing. Daniela Toronto is my illustrator. She and I actually became connected on social media. I ran across a TikTok video that she had created in regards to launching her artistic career. And I was like, that's it. That's her. I have to have her. Illustrations are really important to me. I think um, as a as a mom reading to her kids, I think um, many parents can relate, um, you know, and reading a book over and over and over again, you're just like, oh, I don't want to read that one. That one's so boring. <laughs> so um, illustrations were really important to me. I needed to have, um, I was going for that like kind of whimsical look, um, that kind of, you know, Halloween whimsical look, and she just nailed it. So Daniela is... Um, is is an an incredible artist. We worked closely together in regards to how do you actually make bat brains come to life? How do you make you know <laughs> some of these ingredients that could be you know questionable come to life? And I think we just um, work so closely together. She's she's um, really detail oriented, um, and I think um, like I said, each each illustration is color coded. So. Um, we work closely together in creating those colors for future years so we can um, best utilize our educational material. Absolutely. So she's and and I, I I was excited by this again. Uh, it's certainly a timely a timely story, but also very related to our audience, uh, small business. I mean, it's really exciting to to watch your entrepreneurial endeavor uh, take shape, uh, and really really fascinating to uh, and inspiring to see some of the response um, that uh, that I've seen. I've seen some of the testimonials that have been. Uh, posted on Amazon, as well as uh, some of those that uh, that I've just been reading uh, online. So uh, very, very exciting things like love this book, fun, fun, fun. I want to buy it for every baby shower and so on, which is yeah. great. And I have no doubt that after all of this, uh, now that you're an experienced author, I'm sure there will be many more books to follow, I hope, on uh, maybe party planning, event planning, all that sort of good stuff. Um, but really briefly, as we are uh, coming to the close of our conversation, I want to make sure uh, our listeners know where they can a, pick up a copy of the book, um, but also uh, where they can get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. My uh, website is www.witchesbrewbook.com. That's W-I-T-C-H-S brewbook.com. And you can actually um, purchase the book through the website. It's also on Amazon. Um, but locally, I'm always encouraging to shop local. There's a cute little bookstore in Lamont here called Three Stories Books. And you can purchase the book there, Anderson's Bookshop in Downers Grove and in Naperville and Frugal Muse Bookstore in Darien. So Fantastic. I hope to well, thank you more. so much, Meg Danino, the, uh, the author of Witch's Brew. Encourage everybody to pick it up. And as you said, shop local. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I am absolutely thrilled and excited to be joined by Jennifer Shane, the founder and president of Technology Therapy Group. She's recognized as an expert in planning, implementing, and translating digital marketing and technology. Jennifer, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Shalom. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I know you have appeared on uh, on MSNBC's Your Business. You've written for several industry publications and have mm-hmm. been quoted in Entrepreneur, Forbes, CIO, Newsweek, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and so on. So uh, Jennifer, I love to get to know the person behind the <laughs> microphone. How did you develop your uh, expertise uh, in uh, entrepreneurship and technology and marketing? Well, you know, it's funny. It all started in college. <laughs> I actually uh, launched the business in 97 as a junior at Hofstra University. And uh, I was uh, actually selling computers and people liked the way I explained everything. And the business sort of got born out of that. And it grew more and more because I am I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's my theater background as a kid, but I just like to explain. <laughs> uh, so it grew out of that. And uh, the name actually even came from a client who said, you know, this really feels more like therapy. And I said, well, I will become your technology therapist. And that's this is how, how it all evolved. <laughs> I love it. And I love the name of, the, uh, of, of your uh, business, Technology Thank Therapy you. Group. And I know you have often been described as a uh, as a translator, um, which uh, that story in college certainly explains it all. So let's talk about uh, about both of those terms. Therapy. Why do uh, why do small business owners and entrepreneurs that are uh, that are tuning in uh, to get down to business? Why why do they need technology therapy? Well, at the end of the day, what I find has happened so much is my growing businesses. So, so many people are starting new businesses and technology is really the first thing we're needing now. I think we all learned that more than we probably wanted to in 2020. Uh, And um, when this came about, as you can hear, this was more than 20 years ago. um, I think therapy disarmed people. Um, Technology, I think a lot of people who aren't digital first natives uh, were, were uncomfortable. And so now with business being where it is today, us living on our phones and on Zoom calls, um, and so many entrepreneurs realizing how much they need to know, not only just to start a social media account, but to have people properly engaging with them. They hear the word algorithm, machine learning. These things can be really you know, off-putting if you're uncomfortable with them. And so we wanted to create a safe space for people to feel that they can learn. And really the heart of my mission, and I think has always been, is to empower you to feel that you can be successful um, no matter where you start. Um, So we have people who are just starting businesses, who are uh, coming to technology therapy to take classes. People have been in business a while and realizing they've hit a plateau and they sit mentor with one of us. Or, you know, someone says, you know what, I've gotten to a point where I need a little more help. Can I use your team? So we try to be meeting people where they are in the moments they're there in their business. Absolutely. And that's uh, that's exactly what's needed. So I know you your uh, your experience has been in all sorts of different industries. So uh, again, I'm chatting with yeah. Jennifer Sheen, the founder and president of Technology Therapy Group. I am curious um, to uh, to learn 
What have what have you seen in uh, in the differences between industries, or is it essentially the same principles hold true that what works uh, successfully in whether it's technology or uh, or marketing uh, that's uh, in one industry that works for for others as well? That's a great question. Uh, in general, one of the things I think that's actually let's go back and say it's a marketing item here, and not necessarily a technology item. Is uh, you have to really understand your audience. So the question that you asked alone, which is, does it work for all? No, you really do need to be very clear about the audience you're communicating with. And you need to find the tools and channels that work for that audience. And that goes for US versus international. You know, as you mentioned, we work in lots of different areas. And it's amazing you know, the differences in technologies and adoptions between countries all the way down to cities, like what works for people in the Midwest does not work for people in the New York City. <laughs> so it's, I think this is part of why it's a little overwhelming for people. And you sort of have to really step back and go back to business and step away from technology and say, hey, who am I talking to? Who is the person I'm trying to reach? And what's going to connect with them? And then let's apply it to technology. And I think that's a very important business principle. Absolutely. And again, um, we've talked a little bit about that sort of therapy piece. And that's, that's, that's great, great, great advice and information. Um, but I want to use that uh, the translator uh, term uh, for a moment. I know, uh, Jennifer, one of the things that you've developed your expertise in is in uh, data analysis. And, yeah. uh, you know, for small business owners that are listening, um, much of what you said, I'm sure they're nodding their head vigorously. But when it comes to data, all of a sudden people's eyes roll to the back of their head and they're like, oh, I can't, I don't know anything about that. How does that matter to me? I only have a couple of people that I'm, that work for me. I'm, you know, trying to build up my business. My question to you, Jennifer, is does data analysis matter to a small business owner? Oh, thank you so much for bringing this up because it is a very emotional topic for me um, because data is very important and so many small businesses shy away from it. But let's let's take it away from the complicated words like Google Analytics and let's just talk about your QuickBooks or even just an Excel document or a Google Doc where you keep track of your sales. That in itself is you understanding data. So when we talk about understanding data as a small business, uh, your accountant will tell you you have to understand, you know, how much you bring in <laughs> versus how much you spend to produce your goods, right? We all go through that. That is the beginning of data. Um, one of my other favorite topics that people don't often think about that's actually data related is something I call observational data, where if you just, I always tell people, again, I'm not always a tech first person, grab a notebook and put it by you and keep track of little things that you notice about your clients, your customers. If you sell services over a product, note the word choices your customers make those are observational components and then start keeping track of that. And you might start to realize, wow, I've learned something new. And guess what? You've just learned how to work with data. 
That's uh, and and it's that's why you're called the uh, the translator um, for sure. Again, I'm chatting with Jennifer Sheen, uh, founder of uh, Technology Therapy Group. I've already learned so so much in our conversation. And uh, Jennifer, just in our final few minutes together, I want to transition to your role as a small business owner yourself. What has been that sort of greatest shock? whether it's for the, for, for the positive or the negative in running your own business, essentially, what advice would you have for somebody tuning in of how they can end the year with the bang and maybe not make the same mistakes that you have made or how they can take advantage of one of the, uh, those sort of secret tricks that you've discovered in, in, in entrepreneurship? Well, I appreciate that. And you're right. Um, I have had a business now for probably 20 years. It's like uh, 97. Yep. It's over 20 years. And um, the biggest, I think, mistake that I made because I started young is sometimes I forgot the very important lesson to ask for help. And it's, um, it's an important lesson that we all need to do because again, how I started is networking and really getting to know people. And so why that kind of full circle film brings it back to me is because, you know, asking for help is a very important place. And that's how you can level up. Because as we all know, we hear this all the time, what got you there won't get you to the next place. And so usually you need a person who can help you level up. And, you know, that's a big part of where we are is to help you where you're at. But I mean, I do it too. I have other people I turn to in business and say, you're further along than I am. Can you give me advice to get from now we're a 10 person plus company where I was a one person? Well, there you have it. That's uh, that's words of wisdom, uh, my friends. And uh, he, we're hearing it from Jennifer Sheen, an entrepreneur, business owner, and marketing expert, uh, the, uh, the owner of the Technology Therapy Group. Jennifer, we're just about out of time, and I want to make sure our listeners know how they can get a hold of you and your organization. Can you share your contact information? Absolutely. So very simply, technologytherapy.com. You can find us there. And on pretty much every social media app, we are Technology Therapy. Technology Therapy. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I look forward to having you back on because uh, I've learned so much in our conversation. Again, that one takeaway, ask for help. Ask for help and uh, you know, certainly a, a lot, to, lot to learn. We've got to squeeze in uh, headlines, quick break, uh, but more small business jobs and entrepreneurship on Get Down to Business. Get to my website, shalomkline.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We've already had some great conversations. We've got some more conversations in store for you today. So get on my website, shalomkline.com. This where you could get a sneak peek of who's coming up next on the program, but also download the past eight plus years of podcasts um, from the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Again, that website is shalomkline.com and follow me on Twitter at shalomkline. Uh, and while you're online, be sure to check out our amazing sponsor, the uh, one and only Tom Mirabali. I call him the guru of everything health insurance and Affordable Care Act. Um, and his website is healthplanchicago.com. And I just cannot encourage our listeners highly enough to get a hold of him uh, to have a uh, free consultation as it relates to health insurance. Um, but believe it or not, we are uh, coming to a close in uh, 2021. We're just uh, literally weeks away uh, from the end of the year. And in 2021, it's certainly a time that going above and beyond for your customers is expected. 
And frankly, it's no longer exceptional. Take it from me, I think that's a great thing. Even before 2020, one survey found that about 91% of customers said they were more likely to do business with companies that showed appreciation for them. So implementing top customer appreciation practices now will be a key driving force behind an increase in loyal customers for your business this year. Business owners love a good challenge. Otherwise, we wouldn't be business owners, right? I challenge you to make this one of your remaining goals in 2021 for your business. Show customer appreciation after each interaction. After years of working with small business owners and their customers and having you know countless guests on Get Down to Business, I've learned there are three best ways to show customer appreciation. The first is to listen to understand. The great Stephen R. Covey once said, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. When working with customers, whether they're upset, happy, or neutral toward your business, you should focus on listening to understand rather than just listening to form a response. People want to feel heard and understood. What better way to show your customers that you're really listening than to implement changes based on common feedback? If your business has received reviews about a common concern, show your customers that you appreciate and value their feedback by making necessary adjustments to make working with your business a more pleasant experience for them. Adversely, if your customers are raving about something specific about your business, you know that should be a focal point. Your customers are allowing you to learn from the most valuable feedback your business can receive, theirs. Thank them by understanding their needs, wants, and concerns about your business. And that leads to my next tip, which is personalize your interactions. Approximately 74% of consumers say it's frustrating to receive content from businesses that's not relevant to their lives, according to Shopify. That means if you're not personalizing your interactions with customers, you're left with roughly 30% who are satisfied. When customers choose to work with your business over your competitors, show them they made the right choice by making sure that they know they're more than just a number to you. There's several ways to effectively personalize your interactions with customers. Among them are, and we just talked a little bit about it with our last guest, track your data. Know what your customers are purchasing from your business and how frequently they are in need of your services. This allows you to better engage with your customers with messaging that's relevant to their lives. Have authentic conversations. When you're completing a service for a customer, why not get to know them a little bit better? People love authenticity. And all too often, we get caught up in thinking customer service needs to be scripted professional conversation. Chatting with customers about their day, their weekend plans, their hobbies, it's a great way to humanize yourself and make your customers feel more appreciated. Be genuine. Say thank you. It's so simple, yet it's so often overlooked. Many times, business owners let a customer leave their presence without having thanked them for choosing their business. Keep in mind the customers have seemingly unlimited options for businesses to work with. The fact that they chose yours is something that shouldn't go unnoticed and it's important to make a point of saying a simple thank you after each interaction with the customer. And that leads to my final tip, which is educate your customers. Customers are nearly 50% more likely to purchase from a business that educates them on its products and services according to a Spotlight Conductor survey from 2017. Every interaction with the customer is an opportunity for you to show them that you are an expert and you're willing to help them, even beyond the service at hand. For example, if you're cleaning a customer's carpet, leave them with tips for prolonging the life of the carpet and what products they should and shouldn't be using between cleanings. This type of education applies to every industry because after all, you are the expert in the services you offer. 
offer creative ways to educate your current and potential customers, which include running a blog full of updates, tips, and information relating to your industry, sending out email engagements that are personalized, educational, and beneficial to your customers, leaving your customers with brand swag. Think magnets, calendars, one-pagers that are full of useful information that applies to your business and expertise. There's so many ways to show your customers that you appreciate them and that you care about them. We all love frequenting restaurants that have that home-like ambiance and make us feel like we're part of the family every time we walk in. Remember Cheers, where everybody knew your name? The same goes for small businesses that customers choose to work with in an industry. Customers want to feel appreciated, understood, and important. Make 2021 that year to effectively show the appreciation that will last a lifetime with customers who will then show their loyalty. Hope you found this information helpful. There's a lot more information on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can download the past eight plus years of shows all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Um, but we've got more in store for you today. So you don't want to touch that dial. I'll be joined by Dr. Toby Travis. We're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about trust. There's uh, certainly a lot of uh, things I'm looking forward to talking to him about after this quick break. But get on my website, shalomkline.com. Again, be sure to check out our sponsors, Tom Arabali from healthplanchicago.com. We're going to squeeze in a very quick break. Uh, more small business jobs and entrepreneurship when we return on Get Down to Business. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So did you know that recent research reveals that 90%, yes, 90% of school leaders say building trust is important to their mission, yet only about half were confident in their ability to do so. Joining me to discuss is Dr. Toby Travis, the founder of TrustEd. That's Trust ED, a framework for school improvement focused on developing trusted leaders and the author of Trusted, the bridge to school improvement. And Toby, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So I'll, uh, I'll start with that question. Uh, how do you pronounce the name of the book? Trusted. Yeah, Trusted. There fine. we go. Just making sure. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Travis, thank you so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. It's a pleasure to have you. I love to get to know the person behind the microphone. I know you have quite a background uh, in education. Can we talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, thank you. And it's great to be here. Uh, so background includes uh, obviously teaching. It started out uh, many years ago in the classroom and still enjoy a few opportunities, teaching an elective actually in public speaking this year as well with some middle school kids uh, here on our own campus. Um, international school background, uh, private school uh, background, um, and um, faith-based schools as well. Um, lecturing, performing, speaking. Uh, actually, I had a show business career uh, before my education career, but a lot of that was on school and university campuses. Literally got to um, experience opportunities on school campuses in about 23 countries. So I also got my eyes on an awful lot of what's going on in education around the world, even before I got into formal education. So I've always had a passion for education. And in the last few years, I've been serving as a head of school or currently a superintendent. And um, that passion for what really makes a school tick uh, always comes down to, as, as John Maxwell says, leadership. Everything rises Absolutely. and falls on leadership. Absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with Dr. Toby Travis, the founder of TrustEd and the author of the book, TrustEd, 
a bridge to school improvement. And I could hear that in your voice. I could hear that show business background. That's great, <laughs> which makes it fun, I'm sure, for your students. Um, it's engaging. Um, but that is a perfect segue uh, because in your book, uh, I know you talk a lot about the trust in school leaders, which uh, has a uh, proven uh, direct uh, result in uh, higher levels of student achievement. So right. how did you get to that point in, in the studies and, and, and how do you, I guess, uh, how do you overcome that greatest inhibitor to school improvement? Well, it, it has to be intentional. And here's, you know, you, you already cited at the, in the opening some very significant and somewhat disturbing that if you continue that, that train of observation about trust and leaders, what you find is, yes, about 50% you know, feel like they're, they're not doing it. Well, the percentage that are actually intentionally creating professional development plans and strategies to address how to increase their levels of trust is, is in the single digits. So even though we recognize the problem, we know it's key, the percentage of those who are actually intentionally attempting to do something about it is even much, much smaller. Absolutely. And I know in your experience, as you said, as a school administrator, um, you've uh, you've seen a lot. Um, and I know in the book, you, you argue for uh, an organizational restructuring that's required. So simple question, um, but but pretty, pretty substantial uh, implications. What organizational restructuring is needed in schools to support the great success, frankly, for both teachers and for students? Well, it goes back to something that used to be referred to as span of control theory. Um, I, I like to talk about span of influence. If you look at how traditional schools are organized, it's really, it sets principles and administrators up for failure. And I think about when I was a high school principal, I had 46 direct reports. Think about that. How well can I support 46 individuals? I can't. And span of control theory talks about, and it varies on the industry, but generally you can support well about a half a dozen people. So the point on the restructuring is we've got to, uh, we've got to disperse leadership. We've got to get decision-making down to the closest level to the action as possible. Uh, we need to empower teachers to the greatest extent possible. We need as much autonomy in the classroom as possible. We need to, you know, yes, we need accountability, and, but also that passion for accountability often just drives up the bureaucracy and the paperwork that just drives teachers crazy and is all founded on an assumption of distrust. We don't trust you to do the right thing. So we've got all these things in place to hold you accountable. It's, it's, a, it's an ugly recipe. Absolutely. And uh, in a moment, we're going to have to squeeze in a very quick uh, commercial break. But before we, uh, before we cut to that break, I'm, I'm curious if you can point to a success, an example uh, that you've seen that's worked well, whether it's uh, with a teacher or a student or an administrator or even a community member. Oh, yeah. Well, lots of them. My, my goodness. I think about a, a school that I'm co consulting for in the Dominican Republic, of all places. Uh, they're in Santo Domingo, um, uh, but a small, thriving uh, school that has just done an excellent job of trusting their teachers to do well. They are setting their teachers up for success and then empowering them to be successful. And again, it's, it's, there's so much we can talk about but in a limited time, but it's this idea that, okay, when you're making policies, 
Who gets to voice about what those policies look like before they're enacted? Well, that should be the teachers because they're the ones that have to live it out. So, you know, again, as far as this restructuring, we need to get away from kind of this autocratic method of running schools to, no, it's run by teams of passionate educators. They're all there because most of them there because they love kids. They love education. Well, then let's trust them to work through that passion. You know, Jim Collins talks about, Passion, mission-focused, and humility. <laughs> that's yeah. what makes a level five leader. Well, we need to see that happening in more schools. Well, and we're going to talk some more about trust in, in just a moment. I got to cut to a very quick break. Again, I'm chatting with Dr. Toby Travis, the author of Trust Ed, The Bridge to School Improvement. We're going to continue our conversation about the uh, seven key interworking elements of trust. We'll be right back and get down to business. Welcome back. Continuing our conversation about Trusted, a framework for school improvement focused on developing uh, trusted leaders. And I'm joined by the founder, Dr. Toby Travis, very experienced uh, educator and administrator. And we've been talking about how uh, trust in school leaders results in higher levels of student achievement. And that's the most important statistic. But uh, Toby, again, welcome back. And um, you know, as promised, I, I know in your book, uh, Trusted the Bridge to School Improvement, you talk about seven elements. Uh, can you very briefly tell us uh, what those are? Well, we use the analogy of a suspension bridge to talk about the components of trust that all have to be in place. You know, trust is very fragile and there are, and it's complex. You know, when we use that short little word trust, we're really talking about a lot of different things. And so as we've sought to figure out, okay, how do we assess it? How do we intentionally develop plans to improve it? We have to basically look at these components and how they work in interconnected ways. So very quickly, uh, just like a suspension bridge, first of all, there's a foundation. Well, in leadership here, what we're talking about are our values, our beliefs. There's a substructure. This is the ability in, in a bridge, it, it supports and connects everything to the foundation. Well, in leadership, it's supporting and connecting everything to our values and our beliefs. Are we consistent in who we say we are? In a bridge, they have the bearings. This, these are the movable parts of a suspension bridge. So they're, you know, they're, they're flexing constantly based on the payload that's going across the bridge or the weather or the environment. Well, for leadership, that's the idea of our, our ability to be involved. Well, our ability to be flexible comes from our level of involvement. We can't be flexible as leaders if we're distant. We need to be engaged in the actual work of whatever you know, the organization is that we're leading. A bridge has girders or those beams that run along underneath the deck. And here what you find when you look at, uh, at a bridge's construction, every bridge is different. So here we're talking about contextualization, um, the ability of leadership to contextualize and adapt. You know, we often talk about best practice in education, but as it's been said, best practice must always be contextualized. What we've learned is literally every school campus is unique. This is why even uh, district-wide decisions often fail for schools because it looks different literally on every campus. So trusted leaders, they know how to be the girders of the bridge to contextualize and adapt. The superstructure of a bridge, the most visible element that you see from miles away in some cases, when a leadership, what we're talking about is, is intentional culture, relationships. That's the superstructure that holds it you know, together. It's the most visible element of the bridge and of our leadership. And then the deck of a bridge. You want the deck of a bridge to be simple. It needs to be very obvious what lane I need to be in and where I'm going. Well, here in leadership, 
we talk a lot about just the, the skill sets of being orderly, providing clarity of direction, and that's the deck of leadership. And then holding this all together are the suspension cables, right? And here, what we're looking at and talking about are leadership best practices. And what does that look like as we seek to counterbalance and hold all of this together? Uh, we need competent leaders. They can't just have great values and beliefs. They actually be, have to be good at what they're doing. Uh, you know, you might have great confidence in, in someone's, um, again, ability to be flexible, but if they're not competent in their skill set as an administrator or as an educator in the school world, you're not going to trust them. They might be great at relationships, but if they don't know curriculum, instruction, and assessment, they don't know the nuts mm -hmm. and bolts of the bridge they're trying to build. So those are the elements of, um, of how we assess leadership in school leadership and how we intentionally develop plans for improvement around that. Well, I have a feeling that the uh, most frequently uttered word in the uh, in the Travis home is trust. And uh, <laughs> that's why you are the founder of TrustEd, the framework for school improvement focused on developing trusted leaders on uh, the new book, TrustEd, The Bridge to School Improvement. And I, uh, those seven elements, obviously all leading to that bridge space is certainly uh, very, very uh, appropriate. Uh, Toby, real quick, can you share the website where people can find the book? Right for the book, it's just trustedbook.info. And you can also go to trustedschool.org. And of course, the book's available on Amazon. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap for us here on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next week on Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AMCAT 6 Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.